When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the postgame Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Browns lose to the Ravens in Baltimore, drop to 6-6. Six and six. Scott Pascoe, Ashley Bastock, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, and me, Doug Maurice. Here to talk you through this, I want to get to everybody with one thing they think the Browns can work on, need to work on, have to get better at in the bye, right? Let's get spin a little forward first before we dig in on that. But Dan, you mentioned something interesting uh, in a video we just recorded. I just wanted to touch on that briefly before we get to positively spinning in the bye week. And I believe to paraphrase, you said something to the effect of not to be bleak, but the season is over. So let's start there as Dan Lobby, who once predicted this very same Cleveland Browns team to make the Super Bowl, has declared the season over at six and six. Well, you're six and six. Let's say you have to win 10 games to get to the playoffs. So if my math is correct, that means you have to go four and one. Good math. Now, you just forced Lamar Jackson into four turnovers. You were going against the defense that, as Mary Kay has rightly pointed out, was one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. And you scored 10 points. And there's this thing happening, and it started in New England, but today was to an extreme. The Patriots were playing like nine or 10 guys in the box against the Browns on occasion. And they'd have a single high safety. The Lions, I don't know what the Lions do. Who cares what the, what the Lions Nothing the Lions do matters, except, you know, almost beat the Browns. The Ravens today in obvious passing situations, the final play of the game on offense for the Browns, were putting 10 guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage in a single high safety. There's no respect for this passing game. It is broken. I don't know if the quarterback's hurt or just not good enough. The receivers aren't good enough. You can't run the ball when you have 10 guys in the box. What I saw tonight is not a team that can go four and one. <laughs> I mean, that's again, look, they can turn this thing around. They could shock the world and beat Baltimore in two weeks and go on and beat the Raiders and the Packers and the Steelers and the Bengals and whoever else. But it's just, it's hard for me to watch this game tonight. And frankly, the game last week and the game the week before that, there's too much mounting evidence to tell me that this offense is going to get figured out in time for this team to win enough games to squeeze into the playoffs. 
All right, so we're going to spin positively into the bye week off of that. I would, Scott Patsko, you like to prepare for some point in this podcast a brief soliloquy about why this Browns offense that has no playmakers is making Richard Higgins a healthy scratch, because I'm sure you'll have wonderful things to say about that. Mary Kay, they finally get the late bye, right? This is a team that needs this. Mentally, emotionally, physically, they're six and six. They're not mathematically out of it. And they're coming back with the Ravens again. What can they, should they, will they do in this bye week to try to come out offensively and not look like this two weeks from now? Is there anything that can be done? You know, that that's a great question, because uh, as I mentioned in the video that that we just did, I think the fact that they have uh, some challenging situations right now at the tackle positions, uh, I think that that changes the way uh, that Kevin Stefanski can call the game sometimes because, uh, you know, you just really can't be waiting for guys to get open uh, when you've got uh, defenders now blasting off the edge and that's going to continue to happen. Uh So they're going to really have to put their heads together and try to come up with a way to run this offense uh, when you have some uh, really difficult situations with Jedrick Wills and Blake Hans right now. Jed Wills is not himself. Blake Hans is not Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin could be out for the rest of the season with uh, what Adam Schefter is is describing uh, as a possible torn patella tendon. When I look at the pass catchers, the playmakers, Harrison Bryant might be be out now. So where, where does your uh, 13 personnel go, uh, which they run most of the time? Where does that go if Harrison Bryant's going to be out for a while? Uh, you know, Landry did some nice things tonight, but for the most part, who else are your playmakers? Austin Hooper, he doesn't have any chemistry with Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. And I keep thinking maybe it will happen, but I, I just don't think it's going to. Um, Baker Mayfield is still banged up. Uh, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, even Baker struggled with Donovan Peoples-Jones tonight. So I think it's your quarterback is a problem, whether it's because he's banged up or he's not. Your receivers are a problem and your tackles are a problem. You've got two good guards and you've got two good running backs. But look, look, as Dan mentioned, we're getting the, the old stacked box these days. What well, you know, they've got to find a way to get some kind of a passing game going and, or some more offense going, whether it be jet sweeps, reverses, other ways of, of getting yards made and third downs converted because, and, and they need this whole entire bye week to go back to the drawing board and figure out how they're going to do it with those edges. Very vulnerable. So Baker should, I mean, there was all the talk on the, TV broadcast tonight, like, oh, Baker's the best he's ever felt or whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't know. He should get healthier in the bye, right? Maybe Jed Wills, who's been trying to play injured all year, maybe he'll get healthier in the bye. Some Kareem Hunt, who was back tonight, but maybe he'll feel even better in the bye. Maybe Anthony Schwartz will be back, who's missed the last couple of games. He'll be back after the bye. There are some pieces of this where the offense should get healthier. So I think some of that is real. doesn't look, I mean, Jack Conklin, that doesn't look like a bye week solution. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley. All right. So Ashley, here we go. We're going to keep getting more positive. Ashley, they'll be at least a little healthier. So then what? So what? So then what, Ashley? It'll, so they can do some stuff then, right? Sounds like you're expecting me to solve it, offer up the definitive yes. solution. But Thank you. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I basically co-sign everything Mary Kay just said. Like, they've become so one-dimensional that these opposing teams are putting 10 guys in the box and not letting them do anything they want to do on the ground. So they need to come up with the solution that makes them less one-dimensional. I don't know what that means in terms of Baker and these receivers, these targets getting on the same page. Um, it None of it looks on the same page right now. And, you know, when this game started, you know, I thought we were going to be in for, for a competitive game, and we were in a lot of ways. But it just is with each passing week where they fail to score more than 17 points or whatever the total is, it becomes more and more disheartening when you look at all the weapons they were supposed to have coming into the season and it was going to be a pick your poison offense. And right now there's no poison to be picked. Everyone knows they're trying to run and it becomes fairly simple to try and stop them. So um, I think Mary Kay nailed it. Scott, I know that you posted uh, a screenshot on Twitter after the game of the last fourth down throw when Baker threw short to David and Joku. And you can see three other guys running routes past the line of scrimmage as Baker by the pressure is being forced to throw. And they're not even looking at Baker, but those guys draped all over him. Does it, did it feel like to you as you watched this, Scott, that guys weren't open? Not just that play, but in general. Yeah, there were a lot of contested catches. Um, but there again, there were also a lot of Browns receivers getting their hands on the ball. Um, so I guess, you know, they're going to say they should catch those. Austin Hooper, for one. That third down play, I think it was third down right before that fourth down, probably should have caught that to make it a more manageable. But it's fourth and ten. I don't. I mean, you're you're screwed anyways. Um, but yeah, I think there's an issue with with people getting open. But I I still go back to the run game that they're on third and long so so often, and it's because they're not getting what they need to on first and second down. I know you had Kareem Hunt back, but this was his first game. Obviously, he was still dealing with issues in this game that kind of kept him out uh, late. Um, but if you get Chubb and Hunt back to their rotation and you're doing better on first and second down, this offense starts operating better. The eight-man boxes are nothing new to this team. I mean, Chubb and Hunt faced eight-man boxes over 30% of the time, each of them separately, over 30% of the time last year. They're up, they're up like in the high 20s this year. But this season, against eight men or more in the box, they're actually doing better than last season. They're, they're leading the league 5.2 yards per carry. They were like five, four and a half last year. And they're up there in EPA per attempt, and they're and they're up there in just total attempts. I think they're sixth uh, in yeah, they're sixth in total attempts by running backs against eight man boxes. So that was nothing new, and nothing the Ravens did tonight was anything different than they normally do. They're, that's their defense. They they crowd the box. They force you to try and play long. They don't leave people deep. That's just you know it works for them. So I think really it comes down to getting the running game going, so you're doing better on the early downs, and you don't have to deal with third and six, third and seven, third and eight, and put the responsibility on Baker and the receivers and the receiving room, which is just having tons of issues right now. Dan, did you get any sense watching it? Like, did the guys feel covered to you a lot of the time? I thought, sitting here at home, I thought I would characterize Donovan Peoples-Jones' game as never being open. That, that, he never, they would show him a couple of times and it's like, here, oh, Donovan Peoples-Jones has one-on-one coverage. And like, they show his reliefs off the line and there's nothing to it. There's like no release. There's no, he gets no separation from the defender. And then he just runs down the field and Baker takes a one-on-one shot and throws it over his head by five yards because Marlon Humphrey is living in his jersey. But that's just me watching on TV. Maybe I'm being unfair. Dan, as you watched it there, Dan, did it feel like guys were covered? 
Yes. At the same time, like win your matchup. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like win your matchup. You're an yeah. NFL receiver. Like DPJ, win your matchup. Yeah. Win your win your matchup. David Njoku, win your matchup. You know, go go win your matchups when you're one on one. I'm gonna make you the go win your matchup coach during the bye week. <laughs> Yell that from the sideline every practice. <laughs> I, I I mean, look, you're not gonna win every single matchup, right? It's not gonna happen. But when you're in one on one coverage in the NFL, you gotta win that. You gotta win. And you 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 know, sometimes Baker has to make a better throw, but sometimes the receiver just has to go win that matchup. And I the Browns don't really have anyone on this offense that can go and do that consistently. Jarvis can do it. Kareem. I mean, I'm, you know, when we take the running backs out, Kareem can do it. I don't think there's anyone else that can consistently just win those one-on-one matchups. It was what Odell was supposed to do, but he wasn't. And they just don't have a guy that does that for them. And so now when, when you do have situations where guys are in your Jersey and you've got to go just win, there aren't a lot of guys that can do it. They almost have to be schemed open to be able to make those plays. And that's certainly not, not happening right now either. You know what? Man, I'm, a, I'm a real downer today. You know, I, I, I want to say something about You some bad, this. bad crab or something, man. You are out of it. <laughs> Just, you know what though, in terms of these one-on-one matchups, how many times have we seen Baker, like a good Baker, just, he has always felt very confident in uh, in nailing it when a guy is one-on-one and he's been very, very good at that. I mean, that was one thing last year. He always felt that he could fit it into a tight window and that his guy was going to catch it. Now Jarvis Landry is obviously the one that is one of the best on the team at that is winning those uh, contested catches, but it's just, it's not happening this year. I, you know, and I think it's a two-way street. I think he's not, his ball placement is not as good as it usually is, and they're not winning enough. But just in terms of, I watched a lot of college football this weekend. I've watched plenty of NFL football, and I see plenty of quarterbacks fitting the ball into a, a really tight one-on-one matchup, and the receiver catches the football. I've been seeing it all weekend. It's not happening with the Cleveland Browns. It's getting knocked away. It's uh, he's overthrowing. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's if it's a lot of Baker or if it's you know twenty five percent of this and twenty five percent of that. I, I suspect it's a little bit of everything, but you know I, I don't know. I, it's it's hard to say. I still think that there are enough good pass catchers left on this football team right now to accomplish a passing game. And, you know, it's just, it's just not happening. I mean, I, I don't know if they'd be better with, with Case Keenum or not. I'm not advocating that that happen, but uh, you know, the one-on-one matchups, th- those have to happen. You're not going to be open in the NFL. Nobody's open for the most part. You're going to be, have some guy draped all over you and you got to make the play. They took a shot. And I still feel like there are times where it's like, well, a guy's got a one-on-one matchup. We're going to take a shot to him. And it's like, it doesn't work. They took a shot to DPJ on third down. I think the first series, right? They right. went, they missed on third down. Cause like, well, DPJ has got a one-on-one and it wasn't close to working, but it's like, they still reflexively take these one-on-one shots. I know I've joked about Garrett Wilson, Ohio state. Garrett Wilson is better than any receiver the Browns have right now. And that is not hyperbolic. 
because he's going to be like a top 15 pick in the draft. Garrett Wilson made a catch against Michigan on a ball to the end zone where he made a play in the air over the back of a Michigan defensive back. There's not a guy in this Browns roster that can make that play. And that's just the truth. And if I were not being positive, if I were not being positive, Scott, go ahead. Uh, could, Could any of the Browns receivers make that over a Michigan defensive back? I think they could. Just Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Wilson could make it over Marlon Humphrey, maybe also. Okay. It's one of those things I know people don't like it when you say, oh, college stuff is better than the NFL. He could be in the NFL, except he's not allowed to be yet because he's, it's his third year in college. And when he's in the NFL next year, he's going to be better than anybody the Browns have right now. That includes Jarvis Landry. Uh, you make a good point, Doug. They need better receivers. They need better receivers. But, but listen, they but need- here's the thing. And if I were not being positive, I would even point out that they scored their one touchdown on a throw that Baker basically bounced and that went through David and Joku's hands. It just right. happened to hit him in the leg before it hit the ground. But I'm not going to bring that up because I'm being positive. So it was a touchdown. How did we go to too many good players to they don't know how to use Odell on the offense and everybody else is still here? It's DPJ, it's Jarvis Landry, it's Rashard Higgins, Anthony Schwartz will be back and make no impact. How did we get to this point where we felt like they had a ton of receivers, Mary Kay, and now it feels like they don't have anybody that can get open? Well, I'll just answer this really quickly so everybody else can get a chance to jump in. But, I mean, if you break it down one by one, Jarvis Landry, he missed four games with a sprained MCL. He's had to knock off the rust in his bid to come back. Donovan Peoples-Jones... He's got a groin injury. He's out there. I know he's battling. Uh, he probably wouldn't have played tonight if, unless they were in like the biggest game of their season. He's not himself. Anthony Schwartz is out with a concussion. Odell Beckham Jr. is playing for the Rams. So they don't have the receiving. Oh, Richard Higgins, by the way, for whatever reason, he's having a down season. He's having, he's having a down season. Is that because what came first, the chicken or the egg is because Baker Mayfield is having a down season and nobody else is having a good season. Maybe that's it. I mean, the only way that, that they could know this right now is if they, I don't even know if you'd know it, if they used case Keenum, cause we don't really know what case Keenum is this year, right? We don't know what he is in order to really figure it out. You'd have to like rent a quarterback for the week and hmm. plug him in there and see how it goes. I mean, can that happen? I mean, can you just like borrow somebody for a while? Maybe somebody that's even like, what's Drew Brees doing? Just bring him in for like a week and just see if anything gets better. Because I don't know how else they're going to know the answer to this question. It's, it's, it's very difficult. But that's what's going on with the receiving core. They're, they're banged up. They're not here. They have concussions. They have groin injuries. They're coming off. They're just not the receiving core that they, that they were. Hold on, I'm checking eBay here to see if there's any quarterbacks for rent. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's like on that cameo thing. Like you could have, <laughs> instead of just having somebody wish you happy birthday, it's like, I'll pay you extra. Can you come run the offense for during the bye week? Uh, the Scott, thing, go ahead. Go ahead, Ashley. I was just going to say, I mean, with everything Mary Kay just brought up with all these guys who are dealing with injuries, it kind of, I know we talk about Richard Higgins and the year, it's not the year that, Maybe anyone envisioned for him in terms of it being a down year, but that still makes it baffling to me that when Kevin Stefanski gets asked why he was inactive and he just says, I just felt like that was the plan going into this week. It's like, who else is out there making plays that's healthy? Like, I don't know. It just kind of is, it seems like insane, you know, the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over again, and it's not working. These guys are playing hurt. It's not getting done. I don't know why you preemptively then scratch Richard from this game. 
Scott, do you want to take it? Can oh, I also oh. just, just add this yep. real quick, but negative Dan has to just jump in here. <laughs> the game when we should not be talking about injuries is when the Browns lose to the Ravens. Because the Ravens have the top seed in the AFC right now, and they certainly have no pity for any Browns injuries. All right, negative Dan is out. <laughs> well, let's go right from negative Dan to negative <laughs> Scott. Scott, would you like to take 30 <laughs> seconds to talk about why the Browns hate Rashard Higgins? You know, I'll listen to the argument that Jamarcus Bradley uh, is a good option for this game because of his speed. Like, there's there's a good, like, if you're comparing him to Rashard Higgins, that makes sense. You don't have Anthony Schwartz. DPJ is coming off a groin injury. Um, so you get Jamar- Jamarcus Bradley uh, out there. He's a quick guy, um, inexperienced, but, you know, he has speed. But after going through that game, I don't think how you can look at it and say, yeah, he was the better option because you needed people out there who could catch the ball and who could catch contested throws. And yes, Richard Higgins isn't the Richard Higgins of last season or 2018, but uh, he still was the Richard Higgins of 2020 and 2018. So I think you hope that uh, he comes through in that kind of situation and, you know, that the experience maybe matters a little more than, that whatever speed Jamarcus Bradley was going to give you. And it's not like they were going deep to him a lot anyway. So yeah, I, I still think the Browns hate Richard Higgins. This is another, another paragraph in the, the column that will be forthcoming at some point, probably the day after they let him walk in free agency after this season. But yeah, it was, it was kind of mystery after you go through that game. I it's, it would have been a really, you would have to put a lot of thought into convincing me that he was not a better option over Jamarcus Bradley. I almost think that both Richard and Jarvis are going to be gone after what I've seen over the last few weeks. I feel a major overhaul in the receiving core coming. And that's why I almost think uh, they'll be inclined to, you know, really let Baker at least play out that fifth year option uh, because I think they might want to see what Baker Mayfield can do when Jack Conklin is healthier and, Maybe Jed is healthier and they have a, a receiving core. I don't know. I just feel a, a shakeup coming on. And I will say, I mean, listen, people don't want to talk about OBJ anymore. At least OBJ, when he was on the field, every now and then threatened the defense and maybe opened up something else for somebody else when they weren't throwing him the ball. There's nobody opening up anything right now. I thought they lost the game, not on the last drive, but the second to last drive with like six and a half minutes left when they're down three. They open with a five-yard run by Chubb. It's second and five. They keep Njoku in the block. Landry and Chubb are in opposite flats, and they have Bradley and DPJ running routes. And Baker is looking at DPJ one-on-one on the sideline, and he looks at him, and he double pumps, and he holds the ball, and then he throws that out of bounds. So you couldn't see on TV. I'm assuming DPJ was covered. But you have on second and five, you're trying to get the ball moving. You just had a successful run play. The guys in the routes are DPJ with a groin injury and Jamarcus Bradley. Those are the two guys you send out in routes. Then on third down, they run a little out with Jarvis. The the corner is all over him. He gets zero separation, and Baker misses him by two yards, and you punt. And that's it. That's your drive. After you ran the ball successfully on first down for the first time in four drives. So it was an example of nobody's getting open. Nobody's threatening a defense. And Kevin Stefanski does not know how to call a game for the offense he has right now. We'll do more on that next on the orange and Brown talk podcast. Drastic times call for drastic measures. Read Cleveland.com slash Browns. It's getting drastic. 
These guys are writing their butts off. Go read all those stories. Be a Browns insider. Dan, I want to take play calling away and give it to Alex Van Pelt. Send him into a cabin on the top of a mountain and have him design an entirely new offense for what they are. Not in Kevin Stefanski's dream world of nine tight ends and a perfect offensive line and a, and a, a 100% accurate quarterback who's 100% healthy. Deal in reality and go figure out how to call a game that generates more than 10 points. What do you think? Maybe not a cabin, but do you, how about Alex Van Pelt calling it against the Ravens in two weeks? I, I am not opposed. I don't know if it fixes things. And, and when Mary Kay said what she said, I just, the, the first thing that popped into my head is like, we're really going to be sitting here in like four years and, and saying like, well, maybe if everything is perfect for Baker Mayfield next year, we'll, we'll kind of <laughs> see exactly what kind of quarterback he is. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, Mary Kay. I get that. But I, I think that's a, man, I hope that's not going to be the Browns approach to this, to, to say, well, let's, let's get everything perfect for Baker next year and then really make an evaluation on this guy because uh, it's never going to be perfect. But uh, look, you got to try something. I'm not opposed to letting Alex Van Pelt call the plays. I'm not convinced it fixes anything, but I don't know that it hurts anything either necessarily because this offense is just stuck and maybe there's something he can come up with. And like you said, Doug, there is sort of an art to play calling sometimes. And maybe Kevin has lost that a little bit. Um, so, so maybe that, Maybe that does kind of spark things, you know, going into that second Baltimore game. All right. That's two. Mary Kay, you joining us? You know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it either. I wouldn't be opposed to it because I think they do have to try something different. Now, the only, uh, the only drawback that I could see where Kevin would say, I don't want to do that, this is they are so collaborative and they put this whole thing together with each other that I don't know if it makes that much difference who's calling the plays on, on Sunday. I don't know if it's going to make a, a, a huge change or not. Um, but I suppose, like you said, if you can't rent a quarterback for a few weeks and you can't change out your receivers and you can't make Austin Hooper and Baker Mayfield figure out how to connect well together, um, maybe you do need to try something to shake it up. So. I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but once again, with what he has to work with, especially with Jack Conklin being out and all those other things, uh, I, I don't know if it's going to make an enormous difference. I'll take that as a yes. Scott, will you make it four? <laughs> you know, I, I agree with Mary Kay. It's not like uh, Kevin Stavansky goes off into a room somewhere and comes up with a game plan. and doesn't tell anybody what he's going to do until he gets to the sideline on Sunday. Alex Van Peltz is involved in the game plan and the plays that they will call as much as anybody. Um, so his fingerprints are all over this too. Uh, as far as having him call the plays, I would be shocked if that happened because this is just like Freddie kitchens. I mean, you, you have a coach who got hired because of his play calling ability in large part. And for that guy to say, you know what, I don't think I'm getting it done. I'm going to see if this other guy can do it. I, that's just, I, that's a long way to go to, take yourself out of that when you know that that was a huge reason why you got hired as a head coach in the first place. So I don't think they need to do it and I don't think they will do it. Um, clearly things need to be shaken up on how they call plays, but I don't, I don't know that having Alex Van Pelt do it is, is the way to go. I'll take that as a yes. That's for Ashley. How about you make it five. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I have to make it five okay. at this point just to make you happy, Doug. No, but I mean, basically just what, what's already been said. Like, something clearly is broken. I don't know what the solution is. I sound like I'm very much in my feelings right now about it. But like, I mean, what is the solution? We don't know. I think you maybe try that and see if it makes a difference, and it might not. But what's the alternative? <laughs> doing nothing? Doing the same things you've been doing? I don't know. Something needs to change during the bye week. And I hear everything about it being a collaborative effort, but I don't know. Maybe that's a solution. Make it more collaborative than it is already. But something needs to change in terms of how things are called and the adjustments that aren't being made. And, you know, we've, we hear after every loss, Kevin Stefanski say he has to be better, but like, how does he think he has to be better? And I asked him that, and I don't, I don't know that we really got a direct answer from that. Um, so I know he's falling on the sword and doing what good coaches do in press conferences, but if he thinks he needs to be better then maybe he needs to look to his offensive coordinator to take on some of that responsibility. The only other major shakeup you could do is go over to Case Keenum. And like, we really haven't talked about that here. I mean, do you guys, does but Kevin said, think- Kevin said he's not going to do it. No, I know. I know he said he's not going to do it in the heat of the moment after the game. But when you start looking at the film and you start digging in there, you might you might get to day four of the bye week and just say, you know, maybe maybe we do need to do something like that. I don't think they'll do that. I think they look at all these other things that are going on and don't they don't necessarily think that that is the the problem. But uh, seven. 10 and 13 points over the last three weeks for an average of 10 over the last three weeks. I mean, that's certainly not going to cut it. And they're, they're going to be playing the same number one, third down defense coming up in the next game. So I don't know. No, Dan needs to go. Dan needs to go eat crab cakes and get to bed and feel better and wake up in the morning. So we can't, we can't dive in on should they play case Keenum next time they play Baltimore. Cause we have two weeks to do that. Kevin Sebastian said after the game, why would we do that? So I'm let's operate on the assumption for now. They're not going to change quarterback, so then let's change something else. I'm going to call this segment Old Man Sitting at Home Shouting at the TV. I have two things I want to ask you guys about specifically. One is they finally complete a pass down the field to Harrison Bryant, and then the next play, they snap it to Jarvis Landry, who runs in a circle and gives up the ball. Insanity. An absolute insane person play call by Kevin Stefanski. They finally had something that worked down the field. Now run the ball again. Now you just hit them down the field. Now run it. And then if you run it, then try another play action and throw it. Who thinks that was an insane person play call to do a direct snap to Jarvis Landry there? Dan, was that insane? Yes. Yes. Scott, was it insane? Scott, insane? Yeah. Okay. Ashley, insane? Yeah. And when he talked about it in the like post-game press conference, he's like, if I had known what was going to happen, obviously I wouldn't have called it. It's like, you don't know what's going to happen on any play that you call. I just did not <laughs> enjoy that justification, quite honestly. I, I, I mean, it just was, yeah, I don't know. It's insane. Mayor Kay? Any play that fails, of course, is insane. <laughs> if I, No, I, I, I don't have a problem with trying some, because I've criticized him for not trying some different things and for not trying some gadget plays and for not shaking it up and for not trying to spring something different on them. So if it would have worked, it would have been, a beautiful play, but I don't think Jarvis is necessarily himself either this season. I mean, has anybody noticed that Jarvis is not Jarvis? So I don't know if, uh, if you're going to get what you would normally get 
from him in that situation. I just thought it was crazy to do it when, when your passing game finally worked. It finally worked. And instead of being normal and now trying to run your offense and play complimentary run game, pass game football, now you pull out, let's have the injured 29-year-old birthday receiver make a play out of nothing. Awful, which to me is art, right? Have that in your back pocket. Know when to use it. Not there, Kevin. You lost your play sheet. Second thing I yelled at the TV about. John, jo- John Johnson III makes a ridiculous tumbling interception down the field. On TV, I timed it. 13 seconds after the, he hits the ground. Everybody's still celebrating. TV shows Kevin Stefanski on the sideline. His head's in the play sheet. Now, he might have celebrated for 12.8 seconds and done three cartwheels and pumped his fist nine times. And right when the camera got on him, he had his head in the play sheet. I'm going to guess that's not what happened, but I stand correct if that was the case. He's not acting like a coach. You know who would have pumped his fist? Mike Tomlin. You know who would have pumped his fist? John Harbaugh. Be a coach. Don't be a play-calling automatron. And I think if you get the play sheet out of his hands and let Alex Van Pelt do that, he can make sure they have the right number of players on the field. He can have emotion that he expresses with his team in the middle of a game. Freddie Kitchen stuck his head in a play sheet for a year and got fired. I'm not saying we should fire Kevin Stefanski. Get your head out of the play sheet and coach the whole team. You just had a miraculous play. Why are you buried? You have a whole commercial break to call your next series of plays. Mary Kay, be a person. Celebrate (laughs) with your guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think everybody's rattled right now. Everybody hurts right now. (laughs) They played an REM song going into break. They played Orange Crush. They played a different (laughs) REM song. They're taunting them. You know, I, I think he's rattled calling plays. I really do. I think he feels at a loss. So, you know, he's he's not at his best, just like nobody else is at their best because can, nothing's working. Go ahead, can Mike. I say can I say something, Mary Kay? Because I think you I think you hit something. And I, watching Kevin and we've seen Kevin Stefanski in hundreds of press conferences to this point and watching him tonight is the most rattled I have, I have ever seen him. Now, you if you go back and watch a video of this press conference, you're going to be like, what are you talking about? That was Kevin. But. He, he was shaky at the beginning and he went back at the suggestion. I've never heard him go back at a reporter like he did when no. it was suggested to take Baker to replace Baker Mayfield. I've never heard that. Me neither. He doesn't and do that. He, he seemed rattled to me tonight as rattled as he's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. And it just goes with this. When you combine that with miles Garrett, completely unprompted, defending himself for dapping up Lamar. It just goes with this whole, it's the whole reason I didn't pick the Browns tonight. And that's not, that's not a victory lap because like the Browns intercepted Lamar four times and there's no reason they shouldn't have won this game. So I I just got lucky, but like, it just goes to this whole idea of that. This team is weird. There's something off. They're not handling adversity well. And that's, that's my issue. Like they could get everybody back and healthy, but I just don't, there's something off with this team and it's not necessarily all on the field. And I tonight seeing Kevin Stefanski rattled for the first time has kind of stuck with me. They maybe they'll all get on airplanes on Wednesday and go their separate ways and they'll come back Monday and they'll be happy and 
just be glad they got away from each other. Maybe that's what they all need, but I, I don't know if, if that fixes it. Great. But there's just something funky with this team right now. And I, I sensed it going into this week and, and everything that happened tonight, just backed that up. What was the thing that miles Garrett said about they only got three points off four turnovers. I don't. Oh, was that when I asked him about, I might've asked him about that. I said, like, I asked him, like, I know it's not your side of the ball. And he said something like, yeah, like you said, it's not my side of the ball. Okay. I and thought he, he, he answered the question. I, maybe it was, maybe it was a different question. I, I can't remember. Is there an offense defense split is what you're talking about. Are you thinking, are you sensing that? No, thing? no. Well, look, uh, the defense is going to be frustrated if the offense can't score points off four turnovers. Uh, that's going to happen. And that can happen in the best locker rooms. And that can happen on teams that win Super Bowls. But I, I just mean in general, there is something, there's just something off. I, I don't necessarily know that it's something as sinister as like some divide and like guys don't like each other. I'm not suggesting that. There's just something that's not right. And I, I just don't see a football team that has the mental fortitude right now to go and win. What did I say? What was the math on it for? Their four next one. five? Four, four four you know four what? I have a feeling. I don't, I don't see that football team right now. I have a feeling that Miles Garrett, somewhere deep in the recesses of his mind is dapping up greatness over there and sees an unbelievable playmaker in Lamar Jackson. And if he could say what he would really want to say, which he never will, of course, and we would never expect him to, but he appreciates greatness. He's great. I think he would appreciate some Better play from Baker Mayfield. All right. Uh, we got two weeks to do more of this. We'll take one last quick break and come back and talk about the defense next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Okay, we're back. If you have a weird feeling with the team, I would tell the head coach to get his face out of the play sheet and coach the whole team and let someone else call the plays. You've got an entire team, an entire roster, an entire locker room to coach. Go sit in defensive meetings, go sit in special teams meetings, have one-on-one sit-downs with every guy in the roster if you had to. Get your face out of the play sheet and coach your whole team. You're not an offensive coordinator. You're not a quarterback's coach. You're a leader. Go lead. Go lead a struggling team and let someone else figure out what to call on second and five. Because frankly, what you're calling on second and five is not working at all, ever. So give that up because you're not good at it right now and coach the team. Ashley, how good was that defense? On Sunday, what did you think of the way that it felt like I want Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa to play every spot on the roster and call the plays and be the quarterback, just make 25 of him and get rid of everybody else. But what did you think of that defense handling one of the best players in the NFL? Yeah, that was a good tweet you had about can JOK play offense as well. Um, I don't think NFL players typically play both sides of the ball like certain high schools, but I get your point. I mean, that was, I think, the defensive performance that this group needs. Like, again, the takeaways have been a consistent issue that we've heard these guys talk about. They ranked close to the la- close to the bottom of the league coming into this game. I think they had only forced 10 takeaways all season. They got almost half of that in one game against maybe the best quarterback that they are going to see in their division this year. Like, He's made a legitimate 
MVP campaign for himself, despite some of these nonsensical games the Ravens have won this year. So to do that against a guy who doesn't throw interceptions like he did tonight, um, that was what this team needed. And again, we've talked till we're blue in the face about how the offense did not capitalize on those at this point. But I mean, I would hope that it still serves as some sort of confidence booster for when they come up to Cleveland in a couple of weeks, you know? Um, and, you know, I don't know that they're going to get this lucky or get those plays again when Lamar and the Ravens come up to Cleveland, but hopefully something carries over from this because again, you know, you hear these guys talk about how turnovers are contagious. They finally made it happen. Mary Kate. You know, there's nothing to hang your hat on offensively right now, but is this something that this team can take into the bye week? Joe Woods has been questioned at times this year, and that side of the ball came out and got after it tonight. What what can that – how can they grab onto that and, and lean on that positive? Well, think about the uh, the point totals that this defense has given up this season. I mean, there are – I don't have it right in front of me right now, but there are plenty, plenty, plenty of times where they've given up 16 points or fewer, Right. And, you know, we're always ragging on Joe Woods and ragging on the defense. And we knew the takeaways were going to come. I knew they were. I stand there and watch them practice them ad nauseum every single day. They were going to come. Uh, so this was, uh, it was, they, they had a great game plan and they have a lot to build on. And they, I do think for the most part, they have a lot to uh, look forward to defensively with some of those young guys, you know, JOK, Greg Newsom. I think the future is bright on defense. Scott, the, the idea that they maybe brought some guys in this offseason with Lamar Jackson in mind, did you feel like you could see that come to fruition, at least to some extent on Sunday night? Yeah, I know a lot of people think they drafted JOK specifically to stop Lamar. I don't I don't believe that. Um, he was drafted to cover people and, you know, keep one linebacker on the field as opposed to rotating in three, but he certainly helps against a guy like Lamar and certainly helps against their run game. And we saw that tonight. Uh, we saw him getting to the edge and, and cutting people off uh, for, you know, for short gains. Um, but I think just overall, um, I mean, their, their game plan worked. It was, they basically rushed uh, with their four guys. I mean, Garrett and Clowney that PFF had some early pressure numbers. They each had five pressures, but they were, you know, mostly only pressures and you have a quarterback who's able to string out plays. I mean, the touchdown throw, he backpedaled and retreated from his 19 to like his 35 when he threw that got hit in the arm, still a touchdown. I mean, it's, it, you can make all the changes you want on defense and bring in all these guys who are really good in the zone and they played really good tonight, but Kevin Skafanski calls them off script plays that the Ravens are good at. They're, they're not off script for the Ravens. That's part of their script. And they're like the chiefs in that respect. Um, so it's, yeah, they had a good game plan and they did well. And Lamar Jackson had ugly numbers, but he made plays when he had to. And, you know, that's why they're what six and one in one score games. And in a tight game, right. That kind of play for all the good things that defense did total busted coverage, Mark Andrews by himself in the end zone. Cause Grant Delpit and Denzel Ward both went with the same receiver to the right and nobody covered the guy in the middle of the field. Dan lobby, as you think about this season being over, can the defense save it? And I'm just, I'm just, I mean, like nobody's disagreeing with you, Dan. I mean, they're six and six and they, they look terrible for three weeks. Can the defense save this team? And they've been trying to do it. And like the offense is so bad. They can't save them, but, but can this defense 
keep this team competitive if the offense just improves 20%? I think the potential is there. And, and this was the best game they've ever played against Lamar, I think. And uh, Miles Garrett even said as much after the game. It, you know, it was funny sitting in the press box. There was a guy sitting next to me and Miles chased Lamar out of bounds on a play. And this guy was just like, that's not fair that he's that fast. <laughs> that Miles Garrett is that fast. So th- this was a great game. But there was something that happened on that last Ravens drive. And had the Ravens not gotten called for a hold, they might have actually just been able to run the clock out on that drive or get in the end zone. And the defense was just tired. Like the Ravens were getting big chunks of yardage. They they were just running the ball right at the Browns. And they looked tired. It looked like they finally just got tired. And if you're going to rely on this defense to only give up 10 points, 12 points, 16 points every week the rest of the way, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I think they're going to get tired. I think it's an impossible ask. You've just you got to get something going with this offense. But I feel really – look, I had a terrible tweet. When Ronnie Harrison did whatever he did on that Mark Andrews catch. And then Lamar Jackson had that crazy play. And I said, can a defense have force three turnovers and still be bad? The answer to that is no. The defense was awesome tonight. But um, – I, I just don't know if it's going to be enough to, to save this team, but credit to them. They've been great. And, and tonight was probably their best game. But I will but say I the way Ronnie Harrison played that ball to Mark Andrews horribly, right? Then he, they put him on the bench and Grant Delpit was in. And then Grant Delpit was on the field. Like when whatever happened, I guess Denzel said it was his fault. Right. Yeah. But Grant Delpit's on the field instead of Ronnie Harrison, because John, John Johnson, the third is up in the strong safety. Look, Delpit's back. And it's like Ronnie Harrison messed up a coverage and got benched. And then you wind up blowing another coverage as a result. Anyway, wanted to end on a positive note. We grasped for a chow oh, Scott. Also, by the way, the kicker's all jacked up and that's your fault too. Chase McLaughlin. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you got to cut the kicker in the, in the bye week. Um, anybody, the punter did not drop a snap. I was thinking that tonight after one horrible series, when, when uh, Jamie Gilligan, what's his name? I can't even think of his Jamie name anymore. Gilligan. Jamie Gilligan <laughs> drops. He didn't drop the snap like he did against the chiefs. And I was like, ah, oh, that was better. At least uh, before we go, anybody have anything else they want to say about the six and six Cleveland Browns? Thank God it's the bye week. Amen. Can you get one of those t-shirt companies to spin one of those real quick? Get put <laughs> put your quote on there. Dan Lobby, make some extra cash or invite. Thank God it's the bye week. <laughs> hey, they're six and six, and it's not over, but it is if they keep playing like this. That's what you mean, Dan. If they don't get a lot yes. better offensively, it's over. And anybody with eyeballs can see that. So can they get a lot better offensively in the next two weeks? Health is a part of that. Some kind of reinvigoration of the play calling, I think, is a part of that. But like magical personnel adjustments are not coming. Like they are who they are. They just have to get some of their guys healthier. And um, certainly the loss of Jack Conklin is not not going to enhance the chances of this offense getting better. Hands. Hands. what you did there. Hands. So um, (laughs) we'll see what happens. We'll be podcasting all week. We'll be writing all week. Dan might just stay a couple extra days in Baltimore. I think he needs a mental health uh, moment to himself. This game was kind of beat him down a little bit. So go get an extra crab cake on the company, Dan. Um, safe travels, everybody. Thanks, you guys, for joining us here on the Post Game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. 
We'll talk to you the rest of this week. I know we got a Mary, uh, hey Mary Kay, coming early in the week as usual. We appreciate you guys making us part of your Browns experience. For Scott, Ashley, Mary Kay, Dan, I'm Doug. That was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.